The earlier in the customer's buying process that you ask those questions, the more honest the answers. It's already getting down to we're about ready to negotiate price and you start saying, what are you going to do instead? And what is the cost of that? That feels very cheesy and very manipulative and very price oriented. But if you're asking them at the beginning, you can have that conversation early in the customer's buying process and they know you're helping them design the optimum semi-custom solution. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde, and in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. I'm joined by the absolutely amazing Mark Boundy, founder of Boundy Consulting, and also author of Radical Value. Mark, thanks for joining us today. Tim, thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. No, mate, I'm looking excited. I'm looking forward to this conversation because we've known each other for a little while now, and we've had some really interesting chat around this concept of value. And, and one of the concepts we're going to explore today, I really love your take on this, but you're also the founder <laughs> or the creator of Mediocrities. Yes. The uh, famous uh, Greek philosopher and father of all things mediocre. Yes. And as an ex-public servant, mate, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, before we get into that, Mark, tell me a little bit about you and, and how you got into the space you're in today. Yeah. Well, one of the first jobs that I got out of uh, business school at one of the big business schools here in the States was at a company that was relentless and hyper-focused on customer value. And so that was a formative experience for me. And so I, I took that value focus and I, I kept my value hunting goggles on through a multiple different jobs until I came to uh, do training and sales consulting with the world's largest B2B sales training company. And I realized that even the best training, my companies and, and all the other ones out there were light on value. So I decided to leave that company and just take my training, turn my hyper-focused value goggles into some training that I could put on top of any other company's training to make the salespeople much better than before. Let's just talk about value for a minute and, and what's missing in that. How, do we, how would you define value in a sales context or what our business does? Yeah. See, there's if you ask 20 salespeople, 20 CEOs for a definition of value, you'll get about 25 different definitions. And that's that means you're starting with a serious, unfixable problem. So let's define value. People do business with you, not for your product or service. They don't care what you sell. What they care is about their own outcomes. People buy their own outcomes for their own reasons. That's not the definition of value. That is the reality of all commerce upon which the definition of value is based. So value is the desirability of those outcomes a customer buys. 
And whenever possible, we want to have the customer articulate the dollar or euro or yuan or you know the monetary value of those outcomes. If I buy something that reduces a risk of mine, so I'm buying risk reduction, then the question is, how much do I spend every year on that risk? By what percentage can you reduce that? Do you think doing business with you is going to reduce that risk? 100%, 30%? All right. That annual amount that you spend times the 30% risk reduction is the value of that outcome that I expect to do when I do business with you. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I just want to recap that for listeners because this is possibly one of the most important lessons I think you can learn in business. The value you would create, and people don't buy what it is you do. They don't buy the tap. They don't buy the, you know, the banana. They don't buy the sort of experience. What they buy is the transformation from, from before state to after state and the perceived benefit of doing that. And that's articulated as what that value is. And I, I really like it. One of the things I know we talked about uh, when I appeared on your podcast recently, Mark, is that to a dying man, uh, to a man dying of thirst, I should say, a bottle of water is priceless, but to everybody else, it's just a bottle of water. And so yeah. the transformation there, right? To a, to a dying man, you know, those few extra moments with loved ones becomes yeah. priceless. Um, but to everyone else, it's just like, okay, well, I can see you tomorrow. Um, yeah. And I think this is a really important thing, but it's the percept. You made a really interesting point there. I want to just reiterate that for, for our listeners is that it's the perception of transformation and what that means for somebody. And for everybody, that's different, isn't it? Yeah. It, for everybody, it's different. The example I use rather than water is salt because salt to somebody who lives next to the ocean is worth something. To somebody who lives far inland in a desert is worth a great deal more. If they live next to a salt deposit, it's worth something. If that salt is medical grade, if they are exerting themselves and almost at heat exhaustion, that salt can be worth more to the same person. So that value can be worth the value of that salt or whatever is worth what it's worth at that moment to that person, the outcome. Um, Think of the leather seats on a car. One person might think they're nice. One person actually might dislike them. But think if you're selling that same car to somebody who is in, say, a real estate agent, and they're going to use that car to drive people around to houses. Now that leather seat if that realtor perceives that the leather seats are going to give a greater perception of capability or a, you know, a higher perception of success of that realtor, how many more houses do you think you will sell per year because you carried people around in leather seats? So what percentage of that would you pay to a car manufacturer for that privilege? Yeah, it's these little, these little nuances. And I think this is what a lot, I see a lot of people kind of miss when we when we get into business, right? Most people who come into business, we know are not marketers, right? And then don't have, you know, your level of experience in sales training and, and you know, the deep focus into value, nor the extensive library that I can see behind you of, uh, <laughs> of knowledge that, uh, that you've accumulated. I can even see that you've got two copies of uh, Neil Rackham's Spin Selling There on your bookshelf. Yes, um, Fantastic. I'm certified to deliver spin selling. Fantastic, fantastic book and one I recommend everyone read. But again, we're coming back to this perception of value and I'm making sure that we articulate it in a way that our customers actually perceive that. And again, it's not the product or service that you're selling, it's no. the transformation and the perceived outcome or importance of that transformation, isn't it? So 
Time, yeah, Tim, do I save you money? Do I yeah. make you money? Do I make your life easier? Yeah. You're absolutely right. And the other important thing to remember about value is value only exists in your customer's mind. When I tell a customer, hey, you're going to be able to drive people around and make more sales, maybe you're telling them, but you don't know if that's if they really believe it. And they aren't willing to pay the premium for those leather seats until they believe it. And they've done that math in their head. Value only exists in your customer's mind, which means you have to get them to connect the leather seats to their success as a real estate agent. You have to get them to see how much. And so telling and pitching value to people is an uncertain business because you don't know whether any value formed in between your customer's ears and you certainly don't know how much. Now you have to ask them. So we hear so much about storytelling, don't we, right? Storytelling triggers the visualization center in the brain called the amygdala if you care about the Latin and it causes somebody to visualize themselves achieving an outcome. Awesome. But what happens if you ask them, if you were to buy these leather seats, what do you think might happen to your success as a salesperson? Tell me what you think. Yeah. So you're not storytelling, you're story asking, you're story building, you're asking, you're still inviting them to trigger their own visualization center, but now you're actually asking them to write a movie about themselves, starring themselves, produced by themselves, directed by themselves, about themselves, getting something awesome. Yeah, I think this is this rule, right? And, and that's a really valuable thing that I think people should think about as part of your sales process. Get your customer to imagine the transformation and what that would be because that then articulates their value or that anchors that value uh, in their mind as they go through that purchase, that buying process. I think an interesting one here is that people love to buy, but they don't like to be sold to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And if you understand, right, imagine being the car salesman and never asking that person that they were a real estate agent. And now you're just selling features. You're selling leather seats and you may or may not succeed because you're asking that person to do the translation and find the, you know, find the value for themselves and say, oh, and do that process of saying I might be more successful. How much more successful? How many more commission dollars? How much would I pay for that? If you... Pray that your customer is going to do that math. You're all that prayer is never going to be answered. But if you ask, you understand that customer, their world, their life, their aspirations, their hopes, their fears, and then you ask them about those outcomes and help them understand how this feature on this car is going to get them that outcome. They aren't, you're not selling to them. You're helping them to make a decision that they love. Um, and you're helping them actually make a better decision. Yeah, so many value bombs already, Mark. But I know there's one that I want to pull out of your book, Radical Value, um, which I presume is available on Amazon. So definitely yes. go and get a copy of that. Um, talk to me about the before we get into, I guess, some of the, your systems that you use to, you know, to get more clients with less effort. Talk to me about this concept of the value pie, because I think this is one I want to articulate to our listeners because this is. This was transformative to me. Yeah. So this was this was what they taught at this first formative company where I learned about value and the value pie. So we would ask the salesperson, I was the product manager, and if they buy this version of my product, what's our value? And the question was, what is this customer's business? How do they make their money? How is, is our, this was wiring cable, how does our cable fit into their product? How does our differentiation going to help them sell more? 
how much more, how much more money are they going to make? And what percentage of that additional money should we take? So in the case of that, um, the automobile with the leather seats, if you ask them to envision how many additional homes do you think you'll sell because you're more successful because you had leather seats? Whatever that customer's answer is, is their answer. 1.2 per year. All right. What is your average sale? What is the average commission on that sale? $10,000. Okay. 10,000 times 1.2 is $12,000. You expect if you get these seats, there's a pretty decent chance that you're actually going to earn $12,000 a year more just because of the seats that are in the second row of this automobile. How much would you pay me to earn that $12,000? So that is the value pie. Once we talk with the customer about what they're going to get, the $12,000, you don't want to take all the $12,000. At that point, they're indifferent. It's going to cost me $12,000 to get $12,000. And quite frankly, I'm guessing at that $12,000. So that's my best guess. But if it's 10, now I'm going to pay 12 for it. That's no good. I think we've also overcome that little pain point because whenever we do something, there's a transformation that has some pain attached to it as well. So. But but if the upcharge for that $12,000, if it's only $1,500 upcharge or $2,000 upcharge for the, for the leather, I'm only betting $2,000 that I'll get $12,000 per year for the three to five years I'm going to own this vehicle. That seems like a no-brainer. And $2,000, that's quite a pricey thing. And as a car salesperson, that additional $2,000 translates into some commission for me or some profit margin for me. So the idea then is, well, that's the standard price is $2,000. To a realtor, you could probably sell it for five or six. To the average parent who doesn't have that additional commission, that $12,000 is going to be less. So as a standard pricing thing, when you're pricing to a standard pricing, maybe $2,000 equally divides the value pie for enough of my customers that I want to offer it. But if you're offering a semi-custom product, where every customer comes in, you have a standard option that you offer. And it's not just leather seats from a manufacturer, but it's your option that you offer to many customers. Now you get to decide for that customer, are they a realtor? Well, they have $12,000 a year. I can charge $5,000 for them. Or I can charge my standard $2,000 and ask for great and, and know that I'm thrilling that customer. Or I can charge 2000 and you know that no matter what a competitor does to discount their way back into the business, when my customer is getting $10,000 of value pie towards them, there's nothing a competitor can do. They can't discount their way back into the contention. I love this because it, it it's sort of like pulling back the lid a little bit on how people market to us as consumers. And oh my gosh, yeah. The things that you see out there. I mean, we... Uh, to share a story, my my wife and I bought a new uh, rug for our lounge room this week. Um, the old one was unfortunately destroyed by 300 teenage kids who decided to have a party at our house one day. Uh, and we bought a new rug, and we we called. We driving home, we thought, oh, we'll get it, we'll get it sort of protected, we'll get it scotch guarded. And uh, we called up three companies, and the first one we called, they were like, hello, 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 who's there? Hello, right? Not even hi, it's XYZ Company. Thanks for calling us today. How can we help you? Right. Uh, and it turns out they didn't actually do the service anymore. So despite advertising for it, they didn't, they no longer did the service. The second company we called, um, we're like, 
very professional. They were great, but they couldn't fit us in for six weeks. They were booked solid for six weeks. I'm like, well, we kind of don't want to wait for six weeks to put our cart our rug down. Yeah. See you later. And didn't think to go, how else can we help you? Or let me grab your details in case, uh, you know, we have an opening come up sort of thing and, and get out into the database. The third guys, again, asking some clever questions and said, oh, tell me about the rug. Ask New Zealand wool rug, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we can probably get you in tomorrow, right? And so immediately the perceived value of that was like, our problem solved right now. We can use it straight away. And I probably would have played a premium. And when they said, you know, it's $135 for us for it to come out and do all this for you. Like, hell yes. Right? Yeah. Right? Because I'm assessing that on the value to me, right? So let's compare company two and three. I can wait six weeks, frustration, right? disappointment, can't enjoy the new rug I've bought or, you know, whatever. So like, they could have been, they could have done it for $10 and I still wouldn't have waited for six weeks. That's exactly right. So there's some difference if it was going to be two weeks, right? That's kind of on the pain threshold. You just walk very carefully for two weeks. But if it was $60 in two weeks versus 135 tomorrow, what might you have done? I probably still would have gone 135 tomorrow. Fine. But you can see that it becomes a harder decision, you know? It does. It does. And so, and actually there's, there's a joke about, you know, the lady walks into the rug store and says, how much is it? It's $250. Wow, man, they've got it down the street for 200. And the salesman says, well, why don't you buy it for 200 down the street? She goes, well, they're out, they're out of stock. And he said, well, when I'm out of stock, mine's $200 as well. <laughs> I love it. But I think yeah, it's important. Yeah, the, the follow-on is, yeah, then she asked, well, when will you be out of it? <laughs> <laughs> I think the important thing here is just the more we observe this on how it affects us, the more we can use that information to position ourselves with our customers and our prospects as well. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if they do the same thing in Australia, but here in the States, our drug prices are crazy for pharmaceutical drugs. Um, there is, there finally in the last five years or so, there was a drug that cured hepatitis C before this drug came into existence, you could treat hepatitis C, but you were taking this drug for the rest of your life to control your hep C. That drug was $10,000 a year. The reason it was $10,000 a year is because to have hep C and all the problems it causes in your life made a lot of people happy at $10,000 a year. But now you sell this, you have a drug that will cure it in six weeks. Mm -hmm. So as the drug manufacturer, I'm selling this drug once for six weeks rather than a lifetime at 10,000 a year. How much should you charge? And that's actually how drugs are priced here in the States. They, they price against what are you going to do instead? What yeah, is the next best choice? How much does it cost? What do you get from me? You get a cure in six weeks. Okay, well, my drug's 140000 How do you feel about that? Don't That's, like it, but it's a better deal than, it's it, a better it, deal for a 30-year-old, you know, 30-year-old person. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to do this $10,000 a year for the rest of their life. <laughs> absolutely. So, Mark, tell me about a system that you use in your business that helps you win more clients with less effort. Well, the thing about value is if you are disciplined about helping that customer quantify the value of what you offer in your head, you're going to win more often, 
But again, you know, if you charge only $2,000 for the upholstery that is going to get them $12,000, you know exactly what your preference is. So the trick is getting every one of your salespeople to always ask, what do you do for a living, right? Um, and so the coaching, the sales coaching, in my world, it's it's business to business sale. So it's always something that involves a salesperson being a good, high ticket professional salesperson. So at that first company, we had one question that everybody asked everybody else, and that was, what's our value? And the only acceptable answer to that simple question, what's our value, was, what is the customer's business? How are they going to use our product? How do they? How does our product make their business better? How much better? And what percentage of that, how much can we take as our price premium? I think that's an important one. Right? And again, we're talking about, in this case, we're talking about a sales system that asks very, very deliberate, but conversational questions. Absolutely. Isn't it? And we're not necessarily we're not necessarily saying, well, what's the value to you? We're getting them to think about that by asking those other questions. What would yeah. the transformation be? How would this change your life? What yeah. would be different for you? Yeah. And there's a trick. The earlier in the customer's buying process that you ask those questions, the more honest the answers. If it's already getting down to we're about ready to negotiate price and you start saying, what are you going to do instead? And what is the cost of that? That feels very cheesy and very manipulative and very price oriented. But if you're asking them at the beginning saying, well, this sounds like a real big problem for you. How are you considering solving it? What are the other things you're thinking of doing? What do you like about that other one, that best alternative? What do you not like about it? So if I was able to do this differently, what would that do for you? Really, that sounds big. How much do you spend on that right now? You can have that conversation early in the customer's buying process, and they know you're helping them design the optimum semi-custom solution for yeah, them. I think it's even you know going on that. And one question I know I like to ask is like, tell me more about that. Yeah. Oh, that always works. Yeah. And another good one is... I've been, we've been talking of only about what is the business impact to your business, right? How much more money do you make and how much the other one is, what does that mean to you in your role as vice president or as the head of customer service? I had, um, we had a, one product that didn't fail, right? We, it was more reliable. I had a longer life. And so I would go and talk to their feet, the customer's field service department. What's happening in the field service? When one of these goes bad, what happens? What is it? And then you go to sales and, and the sales department says, when this fails in the field and you get the call before that field service does, what happens? How hard is it to renew? So we would ask different people and the trick is engaging those people, understanding. But when you ask, what does this mean to you? The answers are, oh, I might get a promotion or I stop get I stopped getting calls at midnight from the head of from the vice president of sales i stopped getting these calls if you're a technician and it's a piece of capital equipment it's this is going to be so reliable i no longer have to work so much overtime and sometimes those have dollar value and some of them don't but they always have an impact on whether somebody wants to advocate for your solution or not yeah it definitely comes back to get that customer to articulate that value in their mind and, yep. and potentially even articulate it out loud. What, yep. would that, what would that mean? Yeah. You know, in consumer market marketing, we say sell on the emotion. True. In business to business, there's the business impact and there's the personal implications of that business impact. 
if you are going to make this more efficient for my business, that does something for me. I, I get seen as the person who raised my department's efficiency. I get to stop working overtime. I get to go visit my my wife and kids more reliably every night. Whatever that is, it is selling on an emotion, but there's actually an identifiable personal impact. And so in consumer marketing, we talk a lot more about the emotion that it's going to elicit, right? Um, if you, the emotion of driving this vehicle versus the emotion that you get from driving that vehicle. And that's, that's why when you see automobile ads, they're all emotional, right? In the States, I don't know, we have this Cadillac brand, which is always um, a yuppie, you know, this a glamorous couple driving through darkened city streets at night and walking right up to some nightclub and walking right past all the lines and getting shuffled right in by the bouncer so they don't stand yeah, in line. The they're, experience. Right? You're the beautiful people. And so the Cadillac is for this urban striver. But if you are selling a Porsche, it's always windy roads in, in Malibu, right? And oceans and fantastic hairpin turns. And, and so that emotion they're trying to elicit is very different. Yeah. It's the, it's the adventure, the speed, the thrill. The... Yeah. The ultimate driving machine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like so many value bombs and, and definitely, you know, check out the show notes because we're going to take those, those questions that Mark, that Mark suggested. Get them into your sales process. And if you don't have them in your sales process right now, don't just expect your sales team to kind of know them without having some form of system in place. Give people a checklist, right? And give people a, you know, a, a run sheet for their sales process, right? Allow them to be a little bit flexible. But, you know, if you have those prompts there, you know, on a checklist on your desk, on your... Yeah on your wallpaper or whatever it has, you, you can sort of have them there and just glance at it and say, Oh, I haven't asked that question. I need to ask yeah. that one. For Mark, my, gonna... I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to extend the interview that for it, I have a, a whole chapter on translating my product or service differentiators into a customer outcomes and all of the potential other outcomes. And I do this exercise with my big clients. These are the seven outcomes. We are the best in the world at delivering. So it's okay. You're going to ask about all seven of them. Every single time it's in a blank sheet. And when we uh, are trying to sell something, I want to know, did you ask about all of them? It's fair game to say a customer didn't care about that. There's no value on that one. Perfectly fair. It's not fair just to have somebody say, ah, I didn't ask. Yeah. But have that process where you go back and look at it again. And did we, you know, Absolutely. do a, a post sales review and say, did I ask these questions? And what, what was the answer I got? Because that allow yep. you to improve and refine and hone your process so that it's better your company and that's the thing i love about systems when we've got a system we can make it better if we don't have a system there's nothing to improve it's exactly right mark we're going to finish up with a bit of a quick fire uh some different questions today Um, i'd love to know how your parents would describe what you do um they still call me a sales trainer which sets my teeth on edge because sales training doesn't work until you actually coach the training and get people to practice the behavior that you were training I love it how your parents have this grand ability to just trivialize and generalize. What <laughs> What's a common myth about your field of expertise? Um, it goes back to that, that you can just put your sales team through some sales training and poof, a miracle will occur. You have to also teach your sales managers how to coach and insist on those behaviors and turn it into a system that is constantly coached. 
It's sales training is behavior change. And I can teach you the basics of a golf swing in 45 minutes. I can't make you a professional golfer in 45 minutes. That's a lifetime of coaching and practice and practice and practice and coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and continuing to sort of work on and hone your skills, right? Absolutely. Um, where do you turn when you feel stuck? Um, the shower is a really good place for me. Um, the mountain bike, uh, getting out and getting active and, and sweating an idea out. And uh, although that's, it has to be an easy mountain bike trail. If you're thinking too much about work on a hard mountain bike trail, that leads to a lot of scab tissue formation. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine it would. You want to you want to focus. You definitely want to focus. Uh, all right. Question four: What would be the title of your biography if your worst enemy wrote it? Wow, oh, man! My uh, business school college graduating class in the uh, mock elections at the end of near graduation, they voted me most likely to write a book about myself. So, so I, I think the title would have to be something snarky about, let me tell you about me. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. Oh, fantastic. Love it. Love it. That'd be a good book, right? Um, all right. Last up, Mark, where can we find you online? I know we can find you at bountyconsulting.com and definitely go and check out Radical Value on uh, at all good bookstores and Amazon. But where else? What's the best way to connect? Uh, reach me at mark at bountyconsulting.com. There are only a very small number of Mark bounties in the world. One happens to be a professional golfer um, down under, but the other Mark Boundy, B-O-U-N-D-Y, is me. There we go. I, I, think I, I think I now get more, uh, I, I now am higher up on the page. Uh, so well, I'm a mark- it does make it much yeah. easier for chat GPT to write your speaker bio when you're the only one. Yeah. Uh, so I'm at mark at bountyconsulting.com. Fantastic. All right, Mark, mate, really appreciate your time. So many value bombs. I'm going to go back and listen to this again. Uh, I definitely encourage if you're, if you've got this and your mind is a little bit blown, right? Take one thing, action it, come back, listen to it again. There's so many things that you could take away from this in terms of helping you grow your business to greater success, impacting the world around you in a positive way. And I really appreciate your time, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Tim, thank you. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Good stuff. All right, guys, looking forward to seeing you again on the next episode of More Clients, Less Effort, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.